Welcome, I'm Prudence Robertson, and this is EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. Defending Life. The U.S. Supreme Court has ruled in favor of Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron, allowing him to continue defending a pro-life state law as it faces backlash from the abortion lobby. Cameron joins us to discuss the outcome of this much-anticipated ruling and tells us what he plans to do as he moves forward with his pro-life defense. Rejecting Abortion on Demand. A new poll shows a majority of voters in Arizona support limits on abortion. We'll discuss how the pro-life issue will impact Arizona in this high-stakes election year. We speak to Republican Senate candidate Blake Masters and Maria Birnbaum from the Susan B. Anthony List, who has been on the ground in the state promoting the rights of the unborn. Disrespect during a Catholic Mass. Pro-abortion advocates stormed into a Catholic church in California during Mass, attacking pro-life beliefs and promoting the violent killing of babies in the womb. I speak out. Some good news to start off our show this week. Lawmakers in Florida have approved a bill that would limit abortion at 15 weeks. Florida's bill has some exceptions, including if the mother's life and safety are at risk. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says he will sign the bill into law. This comes in anticipation of the U.S. Supreme Court's decision in the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization case, in which the Supreme Court is considering Mississippi's 15-week limit on abortion and could potentially move to overturn Roe versus Wade. Ahead of the vote in Florida, the White House held a roundtable discussion with top pro-abortion groups. President Biden has called the Florida bill dangerous, and Vice President Kamala Harris put out a statement calling it extreme. The U.S. Supreme Court has ruled in favor of Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron, allowing him to defend a pro-life state law. Kentucky House Bill 454 would ban live dismemberment abortions and prevent unborn babies from experiencing pain during the horrific procedure. The bill passed in the General Assembly with bipartisan support in 2018. It was then challenged in court. An extensive legal battle led to the Supreme Court's intervention last year. The question at hand in this case was not on the specifics of the law, but whether or not Attorney General Cameron has standing to defend the law in his role as the state's Attorney General. The Supreme Court has upheld Cameron's right to do do just that in their recent decision. And joining us now via Zoom is Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron. Attorney General, thanks for being with us. Can you share with us the details of the Supreme Court's recent ruling and what it means to you that you'll be able to continue defending this important law? Well, Prudence, thanks for having me on. As you and most of your viewers know, uh, we went to the Supreme Court uh, asking them to allow us to defend a, a bill here or a law here in Kentucky that bans live dismemberment abortions. Of course, we had to go to the Supreme Court uh, after a uh, Court of Appeals panel, Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals panel, uh, said that we could not intervene in the case uh, to defend the law. Of course, the step to intervene in the case came about after our current governor uh, decided that he uh, essentially washed his hands of the case and, and didn't want to continue defending the uh, live ban on live dismemberment abortions uh, after we got a disfavorable or unfavorable ruling uh, at the panel level at the Court of Appeals. So uh, we are excited about the eight to one decision from the Supreme Court that now allows us to go back into the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, and essentially ask for a rehearing, a reconsideration of uh, the uh, decision, the unfavorable decision by that that panel. So mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to that. Obviously, 
an eight to one decision is something of a feather in the cap in terms of uh, the folks and level of talent that we have in this office to be able to go to United States Supreme Court. Uh, Matt Coon, our solicitor general, did a wonderful job of articulating our position and uh, advocating for our ability to continue defending this law and look forward to, to doing that now that we, we have the right and ability to do so. That's wonderful. And can you just explain to us what the role of an attorney general is? What was the abortion lobby's reasoning when they brought this question to the court as to your standing in the case? Well, they, they said that uh, it was too late for us to be involved in the case, which our legislature, as many legislatures across the country, have designed this office to be what I like to refer to as a fail-safe in defending the laws of the Commonwealth. And when our governor decided to, again, wash his hands of this law and not continue pursuing defense of it, we said that's uh, not right. And we want to make sure that we stand up for the values of Kentuckians uh, who happen to think uh, very uh, highly of and a lot of the responsibility to uh, look out for those that are in the womb. So we tried to take up the defense of this law. Uh, we're turned down at the Sixth Circuit, uh, but we got that ship righted at the uh, United States Supreme Court. Again, uh, AGs all across this country stand up for the rule of law, and it's our responsibility to be a fail-safe and defend laws. I'm particularly proud uh, personally, of being able to continue to stand up for a pro-life law uh, like the one that was passed here in Kentucky. Yes, and speaking of the SCOTUS case, Justice Sonia Sotomayor was the only one who dissented from the majority. As you mentioned, it was a, an eight-to-one decision. Does that surprise you? You know, um, look, I was just uh, elated that we got eight on our side. I think this speaks volumes about uh, the ability to continue defense of this pro-life uh, law that we have here in Kentucky that bans live dismemberment abortions. Um, it's unfortunate that we couldn't get all nine, um, but, you know, I, I think she comes to the uh, court with a, a set of principles and values that are different from a lot of, uh, uh, of the other justices that ultimately decided to, to come to our side on this issue. Mm. Um, and I look forward, again, to to uh, having an opportunity to continue defending this law of the Sixth Circuit. Yes, I think you're right about that. I mean, this is the justice who's referred to fetal pain as fringe science. Uh, Attorney General, tell us how you're feeling about the Dobbs case. Do you think this pro-life victory for Kentucky indicates that the justices could rule in favor of overturning Roe versus Wade? Well, um, look, I'm, I'm optimistic. I, I think Roe's days are numbered, and uh, whether it's this Dobbs decision or as we see uh, the science catching up and allowing uh, folks to, to hear a heartbeat uh, much earlier in the term of pregnancy. Um, there are There's a movement afoot in this country, and I'm proud to be a part of it. I'm proud to be of the pro-life movement here in Kentucky and uh, the one that's larger uh, in terms of its scope that's, again, running through the veins of this, this great country. And I'm hopeful that uh, we'll get a good decision in the Dobbs case that'll allow Mississippi to continue moving forward uh, with their law, uh, but will also open the door for other states uh, to make similar, similar laws uh, that, again, look after and protect the lives of the unborn. Mm. Well, congratulations to you again, Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron. Thank you. Thank you, Prudence. 
A new poll by CRC Research shows that a majority of Arizonans reject abortion on demand until birth, as Roe v. Wade currently allows in America. Nearly 60 percent of Arizona voters support a limit on abortion at 15 weeks, similar to the Mississippi law that is currently before the U.S. Supreme Court and the successful Florida bill we discussed earlier in the show. Arizona Senator Mark Kelly is up for re-election in November, and this poll found that 56 percent of independent voters said they are less likely to vote for him, no his extreme abortion views, suggesting that he is widely out of step with his constituents. Senator Kelly just voted in support of the so-called Women's Health Protection Act, which would erase all state-level safeguards for the unborn that have already been put in place. Pro-life groups are launching ads in the state to educate voters, saying that Kelly must be held accountable for his views and his votes. And joining us now is Blake Masters. He's running as a pro-life candidate to replace Senator Mark Kelly in the Senate. Blake, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I want to first get your reaction to this new poll in your state showing that Arizonans want limits on abortion. What's your stance on life, and how would you ensure as a senator that your constituents' voices are being heard on this front? Well, I'm super pro-life. It's just, you know, probably the most important issue in, in some real sense. And uh, I'm not surprised to hear about this poll. You know, the Arizonans that I talk to every day on the campaign trail, uh, they're they're pro-life. You know, this is still a conservative state. This is still a right-leaning state, still a pro-life state. And I think people are actually just shocked, you know, when I remind them how radical the Democrats are on the life issue. They won't permit uh, any departure from, you know, abortion on demand all the way until birth and sometimes after birth, right? It's really ghastly stuff. And uh, Mark Kelly really is out of step with Arizonans on this. Mm. And you've said before on this issue that Democrats and pro-abortion advocates hold up abortion as a religious totem, that it's something they'll just unabashedly promote no matter what. Could you speak to how, in your view, this is a deeper cultural issue, not just a policy problem? It is, yeah. Look, and they say it's about women's health, you know, and obviously you want women to be healthy. I want women to be healthy. And any uh, logical person, certainly any person of faith, you just have to know in your bones that killing the unborn, it's not about health. It's just not. And so it's a lie. And so why do they feel like they uh, so strongly about this? Why do they lie uh, so that they can be permitted to, to keep killing um, you know, children in utero? Mm. And there's no good logical explanation for it. Like you just you end up with this conclusion that it's ghastly. I think it's um, it's it's you know diabolical in some in some real sense. Every society uh, has had child sacrifice or has had human sacrifice in some form, and this is our form, and it needs to stop. Mm. And a focal point of your campaign has been rebuilding the family and protecting our children, advocating for things like rebuilding the economy so that families can live on one single family income. What's your plan to attain this so we can start rebuilding a society that truly is pro-family? I think there's a lot of policy things we can do. You know, you limit uh, immigration so that uh, Americans can can actually see rising wages. You need to onshore a lot of the productive industrial capacity that we've offshored, right, bring jobs back. Um, but actually, before you start pulling at policy levers, we just all need to agree that this is the goal, right? We need to be a healthy middle-class country. Uh, you should be able to raise a family on one single income. America is either the best place in the world to raise healthy, strong families, or it's not. And, and I worry that the left at this point, they didn't even care about that, right? They don't want strong, healthy families. Uh, they're doing everything they can to pull families apart. 
Mm, Abortion is a big more. part of that. Right. And Blake, there are several people in this race and the primary is scheduled for August. Tell us why Arizonans should choose you over other candidates to represent them in the Senate. Well, for instance, just on the life issue, a lot of other candidates will say, like, yeah, we hope the Supreme Court repeals Roe v. Wade, right? And, hey, so do I. And we'll see what happens with the Dobbs case, although right. I think we finally have the votes. But that's just playing defense. I think we need to go on offense. If you, It's not enough to just repeal Roe and then leave the issue to the states. You know, I don't think California or Oregon should allow Planned Parenthood to go in and, you know, kill children uh, in utero at eight months. Like, we need a federal personhood amendment. That's what playing offense looks like. That's the kind of stuff that I'm going to push and get done in the U.S. Senate. Mm. Well, best of luck to you, Blake Masters, Arizona Senate candidate. Thank you. And joining us now for further analysis on Arizona is Maria Birnbaum, Arizona State Director at Susan B. Anthony List. Maria, thanks so much for joining us. We know a lot about the work SBA List is doing on the federal level to protect the unborn. Can you share with us what SBA List's state program looks like? How many states are you all active in, and what has been the impact of SBA List's field team nationwide over time? Well, we are in some key Senate battleground states, um, and a lot of these have very competitive governor and House races. Um, the states we're in um, include Arizona, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, uh, Florida, and Georgia. And we will contact 4 million voters at their door. In fact, we've already um, done 1 million um, thus far, and we will reach out to 4 or 10 million total. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of persuadable voters out there, pro-life and pro-choice, and these people agree on their support for limits on abortion. Um, and the impact that we've had um, has honestly been phenomenal. In 2014, we were definitely, we played a key role in um, various and very important Senate races, um, making sure that we got a pro-life majority in the Senate that has delivered this pro-life Supreme Court that's now on the verge of hopefully bringing back to the states the, the will of the people to restrict abortion. Um, and then if you look at the data, uh, we've made um, differences in races um, that have been won by 10,000, 25,000, and 50,000 votes. Um, for instance, in Florida, when Senate uh, Senator, pro-life Senator uh, Rick Scott, he won by 10,000 votes in 2018 after SBA list canvassers visited 1 million voters in that state. Mm. Um, and then also in 2020, we doubled the previous record of pro-life women. Um, 19 women were elected um, to Congress, and now we have 30 serving in the U.S. Um, House of Representatives. That's amazing. Um, and yeah, it's um, it's been amazing. Mm -hmm, yes, and let's focus now on Arizona. Tell us about SBA List's new ad campaign. Why is SBA List targeting Mark Kelly's Senate race in particular? Um, we are a top target um, in 2022 for control of the Senate, and Mark Kelly's stance on abortion is unbelievably extreme, and he does need to be held accountable um, because you know he has constantly voted for abortion on demand, taxpayer funded, up to birth, and this is completely against the values of pro-life voters here in Arizona, and we definitely are a pro-life uh, state. Um, and there's a lot of voters, honestly, that didn't know his stance in 2020 who voted for him, and now that they're finding this out, um, they're really coming around. In mm -hmm. fact, on Saturday, 
I was down in Tucson. I was talking to a, uh, a Hispanic voter and he said to me, I, we actually usually vote Democrat every um, election. He said, but I just found out about uh, Mark Kelly's stance on abortion. And uh, he said, I'm, I'm unbelievably disgusted and I will not vote for him. And he thanked us for our work. And he's like, I hope you spread the word to other voters because wow. they need to know the truth. And he actually said, too, when we asked him about uh, Roe, you know, possibly going away, he was for banning abortion in Arizona. Um, so that people really are feeling this issue mm. uh, here in Arizona, and they're not going to stand for Mark Kelly, who has consistently stood with the uh, radical pro-abortion lobby um, because they want protections for yes. women and reborn. That's right. You're really making a difference out there. How can pro-life Arizonans do something about Mark Kelly's extremism? Where can they learn more about the SBA List field team? Well, these face-to-face -face conversations are unbelievably important because of the information that we're sharing with people. Um, and we need more people to join the team, to join um, you know, our canvassers who are out there spreading this truth um, in a quick survey to, to voters. And we will have a thousand canvassers working throughout the country um, in key states um, by election day. Um, what We train people, we supervise them, we pay $15 an hour. They can work up to 40 hours a week. And um, this is a very rewarding job. I mean, we give people the tools to effectively make a difference um, by letting voters know this information. Mm -hmm. And so what they can do is they can go to sba-list.org slash join um, field team, um, and, or they can email us at, at jobs at sbalistfield.com, or simply just Google Susan B. Anthony List field team, and they will, that will bring them to the right information. Wonderful. Maria Birnbaum, Arizona State Director at SBA List, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Coming up, pro-abortion advocates stormed into a Catholic church during mass, attacking the church's stance on life. I speak out. And we take a closer look at a new pro-life series airing on EWTN News In-Depth. Host Monse Alvarado joins us to discuss what their team aims to accomplish from these reports. Welcome back to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. A group of insolent pro-abortion advocates dressed as handmaidens barged into a Catholic church during mass and shouted pro-abortion messages. That is this week's Speak Out segment. Unsuspecting mass goers at St. Mary's Cathedral in San Francisco, California, were recently caught off guard as a group of instigators dressed as handmaidens stormed into the church and began shouting complete nonsense during the liturgy. They rattled on, claiming there is a right to abortion that the church has deprived women of for 2,000 years and attacking the Archbishop of San Francisco, Salvador, Salvatore Cordelion, a strong pro-life leader. Once church officials were able to steer the protesters out of the church, they proceeded to attack a pro-life advocate who was peacefully holding a pro-life sign outside of the cathedral. They ripped her sign and shoved her. This callous display shows just how desperate and devoid of sense the pro-abortion argument is, and their violence against a pro-life advocate was uncalled for.
Since its founding, the church has despised abortion because it ends innocent unborn lives and hurts women. Not only did this episode violate the sacredness of a Catholic church where Jesus is present body, blood, soul, and divinity in the tabernacle, it was also extremely foolish and accomplished nothing. People like this have been brainwashed into believing that for a woman, choosing life for her unborn child is the equivalent of being locked behind bars. Let's keep proving every day that new life empowers women, giving them the opportunity to be the mothers and the nurturers that the world needs. EWTN News In Depth recently launched a new series, Life After Roe, Debate in the States, which takes a closer look at how six different states across the country would either limit or promote abortion after Roe. Maryland citizens, taxpayers pay about six and a half million annually to reimburse abortionists through Medicaid. The first state featured was Maryland. Reporter Mark Irons visited the state's capital and spoke to a couple of pro-life advocates who told him that about 10,000 elective abortions a year are funded via Maryland taxpayer dollars. According to the Guttmacher Institute, almost 30,000 abortions take place in this deep blue state annually. And joining us now via Skype is Monse Alvarado, host of EWTN News In-Depth. Monse, thanks so much for joining us. Tell us about this new pro-life series that your show is airing. What was the motivation for it? You know, Prudence, no one knows this issue better than you do and your team, but we wanted to give a, a little more breath, a little more context, dig a little deeper into these individual states so that our viewers have some context as to what they will be facing in a post-Roe reality. Should the court do anything that affects the right to abortion in this country, we wanted them to understand what are the dynamics that Catholics should be aware of? What should they be thinking about? Is it the political space? Is it the cultural space? Is it what we do as pro-lifers when we bring our faith into the public square? Mm, so important. And the series will target six states. How did you and your team select these specific states to go into, and what do you hope to accomplish from these reports? We hope that these states will provide a different perspective. Every state has a different con uh, composition. It's geographically different, the people that are there, the way that they set themselves up politically, and whether they have an enshrined right to abortion in their state constitution or not, or whether they're about to pass a law that is going to do that. Mm. And in last week's report on Maryland, very interesting, we heard about the National Network of Abortion Funds, which has a presence in that state. And the goal of this group is to ensure that women who can't afford abortions or women living in states where abortion is limited can receive the funds to come to Maryland for an abortion. Does it surprise you at all that Maryland is a state that has these funds available? And with initiatives like this, what's it going to take to protect the unborn if Roe is overturned? The reality is that it's not surprising to see Maryland do something like this. It was the petri dish, if you will, of all of the contraceptive mandate initiatives, these government mandated uh, laws and regulations that were forcing nonprofits and businesses to pay for abortifacients and contraceptives 10 years ago. Mm. All of these things that we're seeing at the federal level are kind of hatched in places like California, but also Maryland, very close by. So we're looking at these states very specifically to see what's coming next and what we can do about it and right. what the other side, the pro-abortion side, is going to want to invest in. Mm, very interesting. And the second episode of this pro-life series will air Friday at 8 p.m. on EWTN. Could you give us a sneak peek? Absolutely. Your former host, Catherine Haydrove, is the one who's taking on Florida, her home state. And she's going to tell us what's going on there and why it's different and unique. Take a listen to her, her piece. I think we have a court that would love to revisit this issue and would interpret things differently. Uh, so, yes, uh, we're obviously waiting on the, the United States Supreme Court to weigh in. 
Our court is probably going to have some work to do as well. There will be litigation, uh, but I, I think at the end of the day, we'll, we'll win. Really looking forward to that. And finally, Monse, we at Pro-Life Weekly want to congratulate you and your team on the one-year anniversary of EWTN News In Depth. What has this past year been like for you? It's been a whirlwind trying to launch a show during the COVID pandemic, but an exciting moment for the team to dig in and increase the offerings that we give our viewers, our viewers as an EWTN team. So we're glad to be there alongside with you, five years old for Pro-Life Weekly and one year for EWTN News In Depth. Monse Alvarado, host of EWTN News In Depth. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. That does it for this edition of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Until next time, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on social media at EWTN Pro-Life on all social media platforms. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're there. You can also send us a message by emailing ProLifeWeekly at EWTN.com. We love to hear from you. Remember, life is a gift. Your life is a gift. God bless. Thank you.